72% of entrepreneurs are struggling with mental health. Most don't ask for help. Today is the day we change that. Today is the day we prioritize and destigmatize mental health. We are entrepreneurs, visionaries, high achievers, change makers. We defy the odds every single day. We dream the biggest dreams. We fail and fall flat on our faces. We get up and try harder. We believe in our ideas even when everyone around us doubts them. We are driven to find the solutions to the world's biggest problems. We speak because our voice matters. We show up because we make a difference. We share our most vulnerable stories because we know someone can finally find the courage to share theirs. And in our collective sharing, we rise, we heal, and we embody brave visibility. In this episode, I sat down with Shannon Confair, who is an amazing brand strategist and photographer. We spoke about her incredible journey of leaving an abusive marriage, an emotionally abusive marriage of 15 years. And we dug deep into so many things, you guys, and it was one of the most vulnerable and real and raw conversations we had so far. Shannon highlighted warning signs that you absolutely need help. She spoke about signs of emotional abuse and how to leave an abusive relationship, whatever that relationship might be for you. And we also spoke about how you can function when it feels impossible to do so and how you can be visible when it's the last thing you want to do. So it's a powerful episode and I hope you enjoy it as much as we loved recording it for you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brave Visibility Podcast. I am super excited, doubly excited today because I have an amazing friend, my photographer who has been there for me at my events, Shannon Confair. Shannon, so good to have you, my friend. Thanks so much for having me, Yasmin. I'm excited to be here and share my story today. Yeah, I am super excited to hear from you as well. And I know this is something that you haven't really shared publicly because you're a photographer, you're a branding strategist, and I really appreciate you being here. So you guys, Shannon Confair builds powerful personal brands for online influencers and local leaders through brand strategy and brand photography. She's also the founder of Unforgettable Entrepreneurs, a networking and support group for entrepreneurs on their quest to building an unforgettable brand. Her current passion project is a documentary film that she is directing and producing with an incredible team called Trapped by Faith, Escaping the Prison of an Emotionally Abusive Marriage. And to get a little personal, she's a mom to three amazing kiddos and a partner to one incredible guy and loves lattes, chocolate, and long walks on the beach. Oh my gosh, I am so excited and stoked to have this conversation with you. It is so needed, and I know that there will be so many people out there 
who can relate to your story, even if it's not obviously the same exact thing that they might be going through. But I just really want you to kind of fill in the gaps, you know, fill in the blanks here and take us, take us to that time where you really started, um, I guess, taking your mental health seriously and prioritizing it and like, just take us through that journey with you. Absolutely. So uh, to give you a little bit of history and and walk you up to this point, uh, I was in an emotionally abusive marriage for about 15 years. And even before I was in the marriage, you know, growing up, I had some pretty significant problems with anxiety and depression and um, really struggled in those areas through high school. And due to unhealthy patterns that I had already developed, you know, entered into this unhealthy marriage, which was unhealthy from the start. Um, throughout the years, you know, like at first I was able to kind of deal with it. It was just, I was always used to that kind of environment. So I continued dealing with it. And in 2014, I actually started having some significant health problems. Uh, I actually had some cardiac problems that were really terrifying and it was due to chronic stress, which I never really took seriously. I'm like, yeah, everybody lives stressed out lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I thought I was dying as I was being rushed to the hospital in an ambulance in the middle of the night one night because my heart was out of control. Uh, my, my pulse was so fast that, you know, you, you couldn't take it. You couldn't count it. It had to be... Um, of course, they they were able to get it on the EKG, but it couldn't be taken manually. Wow. Um, and, you know, even at that point, I didn't blame it on stress. I'm like, oh, well, something's wrong. You know, I've been healthy my whole life. And now all of a sudden, like this thing is happening. What happened? Um, it took me a couple years to be accurately diagnosed and some pretty invasive procedures happened before then. Uh, but it ended up being I had a major hormonal imbalance due to living under chronic stress for so many years. So I think at that time I started taking it more seriously, but it took three more years after that for me to get to the point of um, leaving that situation. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the last year of my marriage was the most difficult year of my life. Um, I had left the situation two times before that. And I think the statistic is women generally leave six times before they stay away, if they're going to, in fact, stay out of the relationship. Um, So my third time was my final time. I recognized that this situation isn't going to change. I'm not getting out of this alive one way or the other. Like I had gotten to a point in my life where, um, you know, this is hard to talk about, but I was on the brink of committing suicide multiple times that year. And very few people know that about me. It's not something I am comfortable talking about, but I think it Mm -hmm. needs to be said. Yeah. Uh, Most people in my life would have had no idea that I was at that point. Um, you know, in counseling, I was asked, do you think you could harm yourself? I, of course, said no, because I didn't want them like trying to save me. Yeah, I literally was at the point where I saw no other way out. I wanted to die. I knew I could not live like that another 
another moment. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have three kids and I always thought, uh, and I guess I was pretty judgmental, like, oh, well, how could somebody, you know, take their life when they have kids? Like, how could somebody be so selfish? I was obviously very misguided in my thoughts. And when you are at that point of desperation, it's not something, I mean, I don't think most people probably plan that out. No. It's like you're in a moment of darkness that you cannot see a way out of. And and nothing is enough at that moment. It is really by the grace of God that I'm still here and was able to pull myself out of those moments. Thank um, God. Yeah, thank thank God, you know, and I feel like I have to share my story and my background so that way if anybody else is hearing this and you are in that situation, I want to show you that there is a way out and there is another side. I I love that you're highlighting that because, you know, first of all, thank you so much for just, I, I honor you and thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for being so real and raw and, and just really, I guess, putting like, I know that sharing something like this is not easy and I know the only thing that gives you that strength to share it is because you know that the message matters. You know that your mission is greater than yourself and you want to, like, even if you could save one life, right? If one person listens to this and they receive that, I guess, that sign, you know, that hope that, you know, inkling in their heart that they matter, that their life matters. I think that is a huge success for all of us involved in this, in this podcast. Right. So, um, so thank you for sharing from your heart. And you mentioned, you know, you've dealt with anxiety and depression from the time you were like, like a preteen in a way. Right. And then as an adult, you endured like 15 years of an emotionally abusive marriage and you were literally on the brink of suicide and you were able to climb out of this dark pit of despair, right? And now you're leading a successful business. You have your three kids, you are safe, you are living life on your terms. And I know it sounds like kind of like a Disney movie, like a Disney ending. And and I'm sure it wasn't easy to get here. So one of the things I want you to take us to is, first of all, what are the signs of an emotional abuse? And I know that, you know, a lot of people may not realize it when they're in that situation. Um, you know, like physical abuse is easy to note, right? Someone smacks you, you know, you're physically abused, but what are the signs of emotional abuse and how do you leave an abusive relationship, whether it's a marriage or relationship? Yeah, I love this question because what I have heard over and over in my experience is emotional abuse is this gray area, right? Uh, To me, it's not a gray area. If you're being mistreated, you're being abused. And I'm not talking about, we all get into arguments. You know, people say things they don't mean out of anger. Like that's, that's one situation. It's the repeated, um, systematic, uh, kind of demeaning behavior and demeaning words. So for me in my situation, 
nothing I ever did was good enough. I remember just always thinking like, oh, if I could just keep the house clean enough, like he won't get so angry because that was a big source of contention. You know, I had three kids. I was homeschooling my kids and I was running a business um, with very little support. I would say no support <laughs> um, through that time. And um, so it was, you know, the house isn't clean enough or there was something wrong with dinner or there's something wrong with how I was parenting the kids. And that's how it started. It eventually got worse, you know, because at some point in the relationship, then I started to distance myself. So when I started doing that and when I started taking my own path and deciding like, I'm going to live my life despite this marriage. Um, and I started setting some clear boundaries. Obviously the behavior towards me intensified. Um, so I think that through uh, shooting the documentary I'm shooting and doing some interviews, I think one of the best definitions I got was if you are living in fear, you are in an abusive situation. So for me, that manifested by when I heard him pull up after work, like I would get knots in my stomach. Um, I, I would have palpitations, like my heart would start racing. And I was having these physical symptoms just from knowing he was arriving home. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a huge sign. I love that you're mentioning that. Yeah. I think that, you know, if, if you feel like, if you find yourself thinking, if I just do this one thing, then he'll treat me okay. Like that's a clear sign that you are in an abusive marriage or, or relationship because you shouldn't have to act in a certain way in order to not be mistreated. So if you find yourself feeling like you're walking on eggshells, you're tiptoeing around trying to not make this person angry, that's a very clear sign you're in an emotionally abusive relationship as well. And for me, it was starting to show up in my kids' behavior. My daughter was getting stomach aches. Uh, you know, she was telling me she doesn't, she hears how daddy talks to me and she doesn't like it. Um, I think one of the things that really hit home because she was, I think, I guess she would have been around six years old at this time. And we were in the car and it was a time I just, I had to leave with the kids. It, it got too intense at home. And she said, some, I, I wrote it in a journal. It was something along the lines of, but mommy, if daddy married you, why doesn't he love you? And at that moment I realized, wow, I am showing her Aww. what a relationship is. And this is not what I want for my children. I don't want my boys to think this is acceptable behavior. And I don't want my daughter to think this is how you were treated. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of another way to tell. Um, ask yourself, would I want my child in a relationship like this? If the answer is no, you're, it's probably an emotionally abusive relationship. That's powerful. And as I'm listening to this, like, I know that um, someone might be listening to this out there and maybe like maybe their marriage is awesome. Right. Maybe they're not going through this within their marriage, but it could also be other relationships. Right. I mean, emotionally abusive relationship is not limited to our most intimate relationships. You know, it could be like with parents. It could be with siblings. It could be with a friend or coworker or whatever, right? So I think knowing those, um, like knowing that this could happen in any kind of relationship. And of course, here we're talking about a marriage, um, but I just want people to be able to um, find ways to relate to this 
within any kind of relationship that they might be having. Absolutely. I mean, it can happen in a variety of ways, even, you know, as entrepreneurs, even with your own clients. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think that something really important to point out is uh, these abusive relationships typically have a very clear pattern. I recognize this a couple years before I left. I actually wrote it out in a journal. One day it hit me. It's like it would get to this quote unquote breaking point there'd be some kind of a big fallout, big explosion. And right after that, it's like his behavior would change because at that point you're like, I can't do this anymore. But then all of a sudden they're exhibiting these loving behaviors. They're doing things, you know, quote unquote, right. They're um, treating you better. And that's called the honeymoon phase within the cycle of abuse. And then slowly things start to build up, build up, build up to that point, to that breaking point again. I recognized that before I ever even knew it was a thing. And then as, you know, one day I felt compelled to Google signs of an emotionally abusive marriage because I didn't think I was in one. Like I thought, oh, he's mean. Oh, he mistreats me. I didn't realize I was being abused for many years. And once I looked that up and I saw it there and I saw what I drew in my journal, it was identical. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, so wow. If you may be in an abusive relationship, that's one of the signs. And I would encourage you, you know, I'm not <laughs> the end-all be-all expert on abusive relationships. Look it up and be really honest with yourself. Mm. Because even once I realized it, I was making excuses. I kept thinking there's something I need to do to change his behavior. And that is never the case. Yeah. Yeah, that is powerful. I mean, I know people might feel that way sometimes, especially people who feel like, you know, like within the self-help world, right? Within the personal growth world, like we are taught, and this is something that I preach myself as well, like taking personal responsibility for everything in your life, right? Taking that, like owning 100% of the responsibility. But the thing is, when it comes to a relationship, the abuse is never your fault, and the abuse is never under your control, right? That has to do with the other person. It's beyond, It's like it's within their control. So I just love that you're highlighting that. So can you give us like a breakdown of, I guess, like you said, you wrote things down and there's a pattern. Can you kind of like give us that breakdown of the pattern? Yeah. So it is, um, I'll start with the breaking point. So there's a breaking point. So if you were to be in a physically abusive relationship, this is where things would get physical and really bad In emotional abuse. It could be, you know, holes in your wall and that's actually considered physical abuse. Um, it could be that, that blow up raging, angry explosion that happens. Um, and then pretty quickly after that, they're very remorseful. Um, they want to make things right. They're sorry that it happened. And, and honestly, I believe some of them truly are. I think there are, you know, looking at, at my past relationship, I don't think he's a bad person. <laughs> um, I think he has some, had some issues he needed to work through. But um, anyway, so then there's the, there's the honeymoon phase where they treat you really well. And then you get settled in and comfortable again. You're like, oh, you know, this time is different. This time they've really changed. I can see him making this effort. He's doing all the things I've always wanted him to do. He's saying nice things. He might be getting you flowers or gifts or taking you out on dates again. And then slowly but surely, 
the contention starts building again. So those abusive behaviors start showing up in subtle ways and building and building and building and getting worse until you get back to that breaking point where there's another explosion, there's another major event that happens. That cycle will continue forever. It's not going to stop until you do something differently. And I personally personally believe um, you know, if you are in that cycle, you have to remove yourself from it. It doesn't mean you can't try again later, but it means you just need to get out. You need mm-hmm. to get help for yourself, get healthy, and be able to see things from a different perspective and uh, see some drastic change from that other person before even considering going back. And that's the hardest thing to do because I think a lot of times when you are in the position of being abused, you know, you, you, you genuinely love this person and you want to see the best in them and you want it to work. And there's also a lot of fear around, um, you know, that they've instilled in you that you might not realize. So for me, it was, I would never be able to run my business on my own. How could I do that? Not that I ever got any help running it before, but it's like, if you leave, you're going to fail. I give you six months and then you're not going to be able to pay your bills. It was, Mm. you need to do this. Who's going to want to be with you? You know, it's, it's all of these threats and just kind of consistently tearing you down. Wow. As I heard before, it's death by a thousand cuts. It isn't even always like this one big blow up that happens or, or consistent raging behavior that's directed at you. It's all of the little remarks that, that are there just consistently throughout the day. Wow. So what are some of the war, because I know this is something we spoke about in the pre-chat, like, would you be able to link this to like the warning signs? Like, I guess, like, what would be the warning signs that you actually need help? And I know you mentioned like, you didn't want to ask for help because you truly wanted to like not live. So what would be those warning signs that at least your people's loved ones can notice, you know, maybe like that would be a good, good thing. Like we can perhaps um, reach out to some of the people who may know someone like this. I think if, um, so if somebody is starting to withdraw from normal social settings, that's a big sign. Now for me, this wasn't true. I basically lived two lives. I had my life outside of my home where I was running my business. Like I was, you know, out there in the public eye. I was happy in my homeschooling circles with my kids. Um, Like I had my life outside of my home and then I had my life within the four walls of my home. Um, And they did not match up with each other. But if you notice somebody withdrawing or if you yourself feel like you don't feel like you can go to your family or friends because you're afraid of the repercussions, um, again, that's a sign for you that something is seriously wrong with your relationship. Um, I think if you notice somebody is normally a cheerful, happy person and they're not, that's a big sign. Um, If you, I think, you know, as an observer, if you just have a gut feeling something is wrong with your loved one, trying to find a safe place to talk to them away from the abuser, obviously, and maybe not even telling them, I think that's what you want to talk to them about and bringing it up very gently because abused people will often defend the abusers and not to make them look bad. And uh, this is both out of fear and possibly out of love for the person. Um, 
So I think though, I think it comes down to, for me, um, you can't, you can't force someone out of the situation. All you can do is support them and let them know you're going to be there to help them no matter what. So they have to be the ones to make the decision. Um, but I know for me, it took me so long because I didn't, I didn't know how I could do it, quote unquote, on my own. And I should have known all along. I would never truly be on my own. That There would always be people there to help me and support me. I think one of the biggest things you can do is to voice that support. Like, no matter what, your kids are going to have food on the table. Like, your friends and family are not going to let you go homeless. We're not going to let you starve. Like, these were all the irrational thoughts going through my head at the time. Hmm. Um, your business isn't going to fail. Like, we're going to be here to support you. Maybe you're going to have to take a part-time job while running your business to get on your feet. I did that. Like, I took a very part-time serving job. And I didn't even need to. It was for my own peace of mind. Like, I have a consistent paycheck coming in no matter what my business does. Because that first year being out, um, I couldn't be consistent in business. I had to take some time for myself and really heal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just love that you kind of um, segued into that because the question that I have for you, like the question that just popped up in my mind right now is like, how do you function when it feels impossible? Right. Because as a business owner, right. As a service-based entrepreneur, um, you need to be visible. Right. And I mean, that's why we call this podcast brave visibility, it's because, you know, we want people to show up, to be visible bravely. But how do you do that when you're going through emotional abuse and ending a relationship that was like, you know, 15 years of your life, right? That's no matter what, even if it was emotionally abusive, it's still a loss, right? We still grieve that. So how did, how did you like find yourself, I guess, how were you able to function when it felt impossible to do so? And also like, how were you able to be visible when it was probably the last thing you wanted to do? Um, Well, for me, and I think for anybody, you have to have a greater purpose outside of yourself. And I think we all have that purpose. We are all put here on this earth to uh, serve certain people. We all have a unique set of gifts and talents that the world needs. And I was very clear on that. I knew that I was, you know, quote unquote, meant for more. <laughs> um, and I, I just knew there had to be more than this. Like, this is not my story. This is not the end of my story. I knew what I wanted my life to look like. I, had, I was very clear on that. And so I had a really compelling why as to why I needed to be visible and out there. And it was very uncomfortable. I mean, I was scared scared to death to do that. And even now, like sharing this is uncomfortable. Before I got on here this morning, I'm a nervous wreck. And it's not that I have fear of public speaking or being in front of people, but this is vulnerable and this is scary. Yeah. And I and you don't know who's going to listen to it, right? Like that's another thing, right? Exactly. You, you don't, don't know, know who's going to end up. Um, and even shooting the documentary, oh gosh, there's been so many times I wanted to pull the plug on that one. And I just refuse to let that happen because I know it's a message that the world needs. And so again, I, it, there's a greater purpose beyond myself. Uh, so that's why I show up. I show up because I want a different life for my, me and my children. I want to help others and 
like you said at the beginning, even if this would only help one person in the world ever, it's worth it. I love that. Oh my gosh. That shows, you know, that absolutely displays what a wonderful heart you have. And thank you so much for showing up, for being brave and for having that as your vision, you know, for saying to yourself, like my mission is greater than myself and, and showing up when it was impossible for you to show up. Right. And speaking the truth when it was hard and being vulnerable and real and raw, probably when you're just like scared out of your wits. Right. So thank you for, for really being here and for sharing this. Shannon, I just want to, um, you know, ask you, like, do you have anything you want to add? Because I know that the listeners, you know, like we may have missed something. I may have missed to ask you a question, anything you would like to add. Yeah. I think that a big thing I want people to hear is I did not realize how bad my situation was until I was fully out of it. Um, all the fear I had around leaving that was instilled in me proved to be false. I, I got out of that situation and it was like the biggest weight was lifted off of my shoulders. And it wasn't just once it was, it's been multiple times over the past uh, two years that I have felt this weight continuing to rise and lift. I, I've been more successful in business than ever since I left. And it realized how much that uh, relationship was holding me down and just being in that toxic environment was really affecting my my life in, in more profound ways than I had ever known. Um, and it does get better. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Leaving was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Probably the hardest. It was scary. I questioned myself constantly if I was doing the right thing. Um, and, you know, something we didn't really get into much is part of that was my, my faith background. You know, I was told not to leave the situation. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. I think that's something that I'm sure there are people out there who can relate to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were actually in counseling pretty much the entire 15 years of our marriage, multiple counselors. Um, in, in the end of last year, we were in counseling with my church and with two different people. And one of the counselors had a very, very firm belief that you do not separate in these situations. His whole thing was, you know, how, how do you expect to realistically separate and try to work on yourselves and, and then come back together? It's not a realistic situation, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. I, um, I think you need to get out and you need to get help and healing. And from a healthy perspective, then decide if the relationship is something that can work if the other person has, has changed their ways. And I don't know if that's possible. Again, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> I'm not an expert on that. But um, yeah, my faith was a huge reason. I felt like leaving, leaving my husband was just this unforgivable sin. I felt a lot of shame around it. Um, and I really feel like the counseling we, re we received empowered him and enabled him to continue the abusive patterns because now he has, you know, God on his side. He is the church on his side. I was the one wrong, um, who was wrong for leaving him. And that's why I'm shooting the documentary is to expose that lie that mm -hmm. I know for a fact, countless women are being told. 
Um, when in fact, you know, if you look historically, um, divorce was put into place as a means of protection for women from mm-hmm. this type of behavior. And I'm so thankful it's there. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, nobody enters into a marriage wanting to get divorced, right? In an ideal world, we would- Or with an intention, you know, yeah. with that intention, like nobody's like, oh, let me just like, you know, play around for a little bit. And then, you know, like, I don't think a, a regular person would do something like that, right? Right. You have that intention. I mean, you've right. been in this relationship for 15 years and you tried to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I didn't have- that support. And that was, you know, a cornerstone of my life. My faith was very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, if you're receiving counseling like this, just go find another counselor. Um, it is that can be, that can be religious trauma, right? I mean, Oh yeah. Kind of feeling like you're not good enough in the eyes of God mm -hmm. or feeling like you're like sinning and Mm -hmm. you're just like doing something horrible like that, that can really weigh on you. And, and of course, when we look at, I know like any faith, right? Many thing that I think many similarities we see across the board with all the faiths, especially like we're talking about an Abrahamic faith. We see that God is the most merciful, that he is the most forgiving, that he is the most compassionate and not taking those qualities of him and just kind of seeing it like a dogmatic approach, like, no, you can only do this and you can't do that. It just becomes very robotic and it becomes like a black or white and there's like no gray area, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, um, you know, something that I had to come to terms with to, um, in being able to leave and in, um, I guess accepting that this, this behavior was not okay, no matter what is I would blame myself a lot for his behavior because I could see, you know, I was withdrawn. I wasn't showing him love anymore. Like, how could I after living through years of that? Yeah. um, Like there's always, and I'm the type of person, I'm a total perfectionist. So I'm like, well, there's always something I could be doing better. But I had to get to the point where I realized even if I was the most horrific wife in the world, Mm. (laughs) it would not justify his behavior toward me. Absolutely. Um, So I think that was another thing is accepting the fact I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes in this relationship but it still isn't okay to be treated this way. Exactly. And I've had to cling to that since then, um, you know, just to comfort myself. Like, yeah, you did things wrong too, but it doesn't justify how you were treated and leaving was the right thing to do. Wow. Powerful. Oh my gosh. I know the listeners, you know, if you guys are with us, thank you so much for, you know, tuning in till the end. Shannon, where can people connect with you? Because I'm sure you're going to have people who are going to want to like just be friends with you, you know what I mean? And just connect with you and um, chat with you and and do business with you because you're a phenomenal photographer after all. So tell us (laughs) where people can find you. Absolutely. Well, uh, my website is kind of the central hub of everything. So if you go to shannonconfair.com, Uh, you can sign up for my list there and you can be notified. You know, I'm definitely going to be talking more about the documentary as we're shooting it. Uh, You'll get all the behind the scenes and special updates about that because there is not a separate website for that yet. Okay. Um, And then of course on social media, just find me at Shannon Confair on Facebook. If you look me up and on Instagram, you can find me at Shannon Confair. Awesome. 
So you kind of lucked out with your name, right? <laughs> That's great. Love yes. it. Love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much again for sharing so openly so that this can touch, you know, someone out there. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, if anybody does want to reach out, I am here and available and um, want to support you. Thank you for lending us your ears. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review so we know we're not talking to ourselves. If you love this episode and would like to dive deeper into healing your mind, body, and soul, make sure to check out bravevisibility.com forward slash circle to join our membership. Every month, we'll provide you with new trainings and resources on maintaining a healthy mind and most of all, a safe space to share and grow. Go to bravevisibility.com forward slash circle where you can have full access for $20 a month. Remember to use hashtag bravevisibility when sharing this episode online. Follow us on social media at bravevisibility and catch us on the next episode. Till then, live bravely.